I don't know if you're old enough like me to remember the old Cal Worthington uh, car commercials. They used to be on all the time. Cal Worthington, for those of you young folks who don't know what I'm talking about, was this crazy car dealer who uh, did these commercials with wild exotic animals. And his deal, the thing was, though, if you bought a car from Cal Worthington, you got a 10-day trial exchange. And that was like the only, they, nobody else offered that. You got 10 days, and if you didn't like it in 10 days, you could take it back. Well, here we are 10 days into 2021. Anybody interested in a 10-day trial exchange at this point? I would imagine I could get a few takers on that if we could just do it. Um, we talked about this last week, right? We said everybody's been looking forward to, if I could just turn the page on 2020 and get into 2021, everything's going to be fine. But a week into this, we're already going, you know what? Maybe we need something more than just a new date to write on our checks. Maybe the need is greater than that. I was thinking this week a little bit um, back to 2010, 11 years ago. It was, a, it was a big year for our church. It was the year in which we built our new worship center. Uh, it was a, a huge uh, step forward uh, in our mission and, and vision as a church. It was a huge leap of faith. We were spending a ton of money doing something we had never done before. We tore down the old building. And I remember when that old building came down, it was like, okay, we're really in this. Well, we expected that to be a, a, a four-month project. Uh, we had a guarantee from the builder it would be a four-month project. We also uh, had a price of $400,000. And as you probably know, if you were here at that time or maybe have heard about it, uh, it ended up being a 13-month, $1.1 million project. It was crazy what it involved. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. That was a year that in my mind, in our church's history, sort of lives in infamy, right? Because we knocked down the building. We didn't even have a place to meet. And then all these delays began happening. And we were having to meet somewhere else at a really early hour of the morning. People stopped coming. There was, our numbers were shrinking and dwindling. I'm thinking, man, we're building this bigger building for what? We're not even going to have any people to put in it. And it just went on and on. It was the rainiest year we had seen in decades. And that kept delaying the progress of the building. And on top of that, my office was this old dilapidated construction trailer that sat on the back of our church property. And it leaked like a sieve. And so it rained and rained and rained and mold was growing in the walls. You couldn't even function in that building. It was insane the year that we went through. And so we decided, man, we better have a prayer meeting. So we started these Tuesday night prayer meetings. I'll never forget this. We started the Tuesday night prayer meetings, and they were off campus somewhere else. And so um, there was a you know, construction fence put up around the property, a, a chain link fence with a gate. And I would open that gate every morning, come in, sit in my uh, mold-filled office and do my work, and then I would leave at the end of the day. And as it was time to leave to go to that prayer meeting, I'll never forget this, I go out and I grab the one gate and then I grab the other gate to close it and there was some sort of electrical malfunction that happened during the building that day 
and the fence was electrified. And when I grabbed both sides, it shocked me and dropped me. Oh my goodness. Even when I think about it now, it makes the hair of my arm stand up. It was nuts, this shock, this voltage that went through me. It was crazy. And, and I'll tell you this, though. It hurt. It scared me. I didn't know what to do about it. But I stayed awake during that prayer meeting. <laughs> I was wide awake for the rest of that night. Sometimes a bit of a shock, even a bad one, can actually be a good thing. I remember in school when... It would come that time for progress reports and then you get that progress report and your parents see what you're doing in school and all of a sudden things change because of that progress report. Maybe some of you have been through marriage trouble and you've, you've had the situation where your spouse sits down with you and says, listen, this has got to change. This has got to stop or this is going to end. And maybe that just shocked you into going, my gosh, I've got to rearrange my priorities. I've got to pay more attention to my family. And maybe that was a good thing for you. Maybe you've had the experience of spending a night in jail. Or maybe longer. You're dabbling with something. You got yourself in some trouble. And boy, there's nothing that wakes you up quite so much as the shock of spending the night in a cot in a jail cell. Those things are not fun. But you know what? It is often those things that get our attention so that God can begin to ultimately turn us around. <clears throat> as you read your Old Testament, the whole Bible, but especially as you read the Old Testament, you're going to notice a pattern that is repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament with the people of God. God blesses his people. And as God blesses us, we have a tendency to become sort of fat and lazy. We have a tendency to take our focus off God. We have a tendency to go our own way. And as we go our own way, that leads to trouble. And God begins to chastise his people. And as they're chastised after a while, they finally wake up from the shock of that chastisement and they turn back to God. And when they turn back to God, God welcomes them back and begins to bless them again. And the pattern repeats. Over and over and over again, you see the people of God going through this. And you know what? If you pay attention, I bet you've seen the same pattern in your own life. At Christmas time, we were discussing the book of Isaiah, right? And we were, we were talking from the book of Isaiah about the, the names of Jesus. And, and I've told you then that Isaiah lived, uh, he was writing about 740 years before the birth of Christ. And Israel and Judah had been in this long civil war. The people of God were divided. There had been a series of bad kings on both sides. Hopefully you remember this from last month. Finally, in Judah, there is a good king who arises, and his name is Uzziah. And Uzziah is a godly man, and Uzziah is a wise man, and Uzziah leads the country in the right direction back toward God and away from idols. He also is a great military leader. He even invents weapons that, make, uh, that advance warfare so that Israel can defend themselves against the nations that are, um, that are closing in on them. Um, and so Judah becomes stronger than ever. They get a freedom from battle for a while. The economy starts to boom. Everything's going well under King Uzziah's reign. 
uh, Uzziah's reign is a great time in the history of God's people. In fact, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 15 tells us that God marvelously helped Uzziah until he became strong. God marvelously helped him to become strong. But in the midst of this, like so many of us, as he became strong, Uzziah also became proud. And he starts to lose sight of God. He thinks that all of the success is about him and he forgets that it's really all God's doing. And that's when everything begins to change for the people of God. In fact, that same chapter in 2 Chronicles, <clears throat> where we learn that God helped Uzziah become strong, God also judges Uzziah. I'll let you read it on your own. Go back and read that chapter uh, later this week. But, but, but let me summarize it for you. Uzziah, in his pride, decides that he no longer needs to follow God's standards. And, and he goes into the temple. It sounds like a good thing. He goes into the temple to make a sacrifice to the Lord. He goes into the holy place where only the high priests are allowed to go. Thinking that, well, he's the king. He should be allowed to do whatever he wants. And, and God is offended by his lack of respect in worship. Wow. Imagine that. God gets offended by our lack of respect in worship when our worship is false worship, when our worship is distracted worship. That's actually offensive to God. And so God actually judges him while he's there in the temple and strikes him with leprosy. This great king, this beloved king, this strong king who God helped to make strong is now leprous. And he literally spends the last 10 years of his life in seclusion with leprosy, this great king. And in 740 BC, he finally dies. And that brings us to Isaiah chapter 6, where we're going to spend some time today. So take your Bibles, if you would, open to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Hopefully you remember how to get there from December, where we spent so much time there. But I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 6, because in Isaiah chapter 6, we get this great picture of how Isaiah's ministry began. <clears throat> because, you see, Israel needed a wake-up call. And a lot of times when God is going to call a people to wake up, he first calls their leaders to wake up. When the people need a shock, a lot of times God will give the leaders a shock. And so here we find Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is about to get a shock of his own. Read with me if you will in Isaiah chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Can you picture this vision that Isaiah is given? 
God lets Isaiah see him. He gets a glimpse of the glory of God. And even the angelic beings that surround God are so astonishing that Isaiah can barely describe them. And he talks about the glory of the Lord filling the temple. And God allows him to see his awesomeness. This is awesome. This is amazing. This is just what Isaiah needed during this time of mourning. Because I want you to notice how it all begins. It says, in the year of King Uzziah's death. It was in the dark time of mourning that this amazing, shocking experience with God took place in Isaiah's life that led to a transformation in Israel. It was during a dark time. Guys, it wasn't just that Uzziah, their good king, had died. It was that for 10 years they hadn't seen him. For 10 years they had no idea what was going on. That booming economy began to crash. That political stability went away. All the things they had come to put their faith in other than God was swept away from them. It was a dark time. It was a scary time. And everybody was arguing about what the answers were. And nobody knew. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. God revealed himself during the darkest of times. But don't miss the significance of this happening during the time of Uzziah's death. It happened when everything seemed dark. When everything seemed bleak for Isaiah and for the people of God. It came on the heels of a very bad year. They finally had a good king. They had some success. They had some peace, some reason to be hopeful. And then it all fell apart. And it was at that time that God decided it was time for a wake-up call. And what a wake-up call this is. When things are dark, when things are hard, when things are confusing, what we need more than anything is to be brought into the presence of God, to become aware again of just who He is, just how great he is, just how wonderful he is. And as I was thinking as, as 2021 wound down and 2022 got off to, a, or, excuse me, as 2020 wound down and 2021 got off to a shaky start, I was thinking, how do I encourage people of God? And here's what I want to do. I want to remind you today that it is going to be in the presence, the manifest presence of the glorious God of the universe that we find our peace, that we find our hope, that we find our purpose, that we find our meaning, that we find our path. See, God was planning to use Isaiah to turn things around. Everything was going to be different for the people of God. So he started with Isaiah's wake-up call. I wonder if you'd like to see things be different for your nation. I wonder if you'd like to see things be different in your family. I wonder if you'd like to see things be different in your life. Guess what? It's going to begin with a wake-up call for you. He revealed himself to Isaiah in a fresh way. Isaiah got a glimpse of the glory of God. And look at Isaiah's response. Verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Guys, this happens every time we get one of these manifestations of the glory of God. We see it again and again and again in Scripture. When God just pulls back the veil a little bit and lets someone see his glory, they always fall on their face. They always cry out, woe is me. I am ruined. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He's talking about being defiled by sin, his own sin. In the presence of the glory of God, what is he aware of? His unworthiness. What is he aware of? The unworthiness of the people. I live among a people of unclean lips, he says. Guys, if we want to see things turn around, if we want to see revival, guess where it needs to start? Not with the other political party. Not with unbelievers getting their lives fixed up so that they start following the rules. It needs to begin with you and it needs to begin with me. In 1 Peter 4, be a great chapter for you to read this week. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he tells us that judgment must begin with the household of God. Any hope for our nation, any hope for our world is not going to begin with a new political leader. It's not going to begin with a new economic policy. It's not going to be, begin with a new medical discovery that's going to solve our medical issues that we're dealing with. It's going to begin with you and me being humbled in the sight of God. Getting our eyes turned on Him and humbling ourselves before God that he might in proper time exalt us. Peter wrote that judgment begins with us. And when he wrote that, he was speaking from experience. He had to be humbled in the presence of God again and again. I mean, let's just, uh, just uh, leave your finger there in Isaiah, but I want you to turn over to the book of Luke in the New Testament. And in Luke chapter 5, I just want to remind you of this picture, right? This is the early on in Jesus' ministry. And in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 4, follow along with me. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I'll do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Now look at verse 8. This is the key. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You see, Peter wasn't quite sure what to make of Jesus up until then. He wasn't quite sure until he saw that Jesus actually has the power of God. He realized who he was standing in front of. And his response was, go away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. There's a humility that comes when we really see God for who he is. And the result of that for Peter was that he really gave himself to Christ. Look at verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. To be confronted 
with who God is is a life-changing, eternity-altering experience. Peter was transformed when he was blown away by the presence of God. Isaiah was transformed when he was blown away by the presence of God. The same thing happened with Jacob. He wrestled with God. He was never the same, but boy, was he humbled. The same thing happened with Moses in the burning bush experience. The same thing happened with David over and over again in his life and ministry. Same thing with Elijah. The same thing with Paul on the road to Damascus. You want God to do amazing things in your life? Do you want God to do amazing things through your life? Then get your eyes off all the stuff and get your eyes on him. Because as you look at him, it changes how you look at yourself. And it puts you in a position where God can use you to change the world. Those were shocking moments in the lives of those men. But those moments were necessary. Because God had called these men to be messengers and leaders for a lost and dying world. And here's the thing. That is the same call that God has on your life and mine. We're the church. We're the light of the world. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's our role. And what we need now, more than anything, as individuals, <clears throat> what we need more than anything as a local church, as a nation, as the worldwide church of Christ, what we need more than anything right now is a shocking, humbling, life-changing encounter with the living God. Guys, the answer is not in political solutions. The answer is in spiritual transformation. We need to see his glory. We need to experience our own neediness. Politicians are not the answer. Medicines are not the answer. Money is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And we will never fully experience that answer in our lives until we humbly bow at his feet. Go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Because in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, show how God responded to Isaiah's response. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. Remember his unclean lips? And he had taken it from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. How does God respond when we recognize our own brokenness and the beauty of his glory? He transforms our lives. He forgives our sins. He wraps his arms around us and welcomes us in to his family. Look at verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the beginning of the world-changing ministry of Isaiah. Here am I, Lord. I'm broken. I'm being healed by you. Send me. Are you ready to be used by God for great things? Are you interested in being a part of the solution and not the problem? Are you willing to stop cursing the darkness and start shining the light instead? 
then it's time to fall on your face in a fresh encounter with God. Because I have news for you as you crawl and limp into 2021. God has a plan for your life that is every bit as big as the plan he had for Moses or David or Elijah or Isaiah or any of the rest of them. I know it's hard to imagine. After all, you're no Bible hero, right? Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, if you think about, uh, you know, the movie Mission Impossible, or if you're old like me, you even remember the TV show. But for you young folks, the movie Mission Impossible, it's got Tom Cruise. Now, Tom Cruise is a particularly cool guy. And, and in the movie, his character can do just about anything. So I want you to think about what God can do, right? But instead of picturing somebody really cool, Tom Cruise, leather jacket, dark sunglasses, motorcycle, instead of that, instead of him playing that role, I want you to picture Don Knotts. Now again, if you're young, you're like, I don't know who Don Knotts is. Don Knotts is the epitome of goofy, weak actors. Uh, maybe, maybe if you're younger, think of him as uh, the guy who plays Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. He's this little wimpy, skinny guy who could never, uh, you know, fight his way out of a paper bag. Picture Don Knotts as, as the head, as the key role in the movie Mission Impossible. Because that's the way God seems to like it. He likes to solve these impossible missions with somebody who's weak so he can show how strong he is. Moses wasn't a great leader when God called him. Can't you imagine Moses by the burning bush? Right? He, he, he begins to hear the voice of God and the music begins. Dun, dun, dun. Right? And as the music plays, Moses hears God say, I have a mission, your mission. Should you choose to accept it, Moses, you're going to lead people out of slavery and into the promised land. You're going to become one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. You're going to transform the world or I'm going to do it through you. Can you imagine David standing in front of Goliath looking up and thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? But the music is playing in the background and he can hear it. And he knows that God has called him to an impossible mission. And it's not about his height, his stature, and his strength. It's about God's strength. Can't you imagine Peter always messing up? And Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to have you lead my church. Are you kidding me? But once Jesus humbled him, once Jesus got his attention, he was ready to be used by God in amazing ways. Listen, 2021 is not going to be great because the right politician got in the right office. It's not going to be great because the economic problems in our country or our world got solved. It's not even going to be great because of some medical advancement that lets us all get back to normal. God is going to do great things through us once we've allowed him to do great things in us. God is calling. And he's calling to a lost world. And a lost world is waiting to see what happens when the people of God answer the call. Who among us will fall on his face before God and humbly say, here I am, broken and tattered. Here I am, unworthy apart from Christ.
Here I am without a clue how I'm going to do anything great. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Well, there's your shocking wake-up call for 2021. What you do with it is up to you. Lord, we bow our heads before you. We confess our neediness in your presence. We're astonished by your beauty, by your greatness, by your grandeur, by your power. And we're amazed at the contrast, our weakness, our unworthiness, our brokenness. But Lord, if you want to use us, here we are. Use us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord Jesus. Fill us with hope. Fill us with light. And let that light shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We exist for you, God. You have won the war. Let us trust you and follow you all the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.